Here's what happened last time on the Encourageable Party. Despite their exhaustion and injuries, Shikara, Shaft, and Horik escaped the Paladin tracking team, utilizing past knowledge of the Darkling Tunnels to aid in their retreat. Quickly finding themselves beneath the city of Drukal, seeing the aftermath of the tower's blue light, they find street access into the evacuated section of the city. It is here they decide to split up due to the conspicuous glow of the Eye of Dendar. And now, back to the adventure. Shikara, I have the unfortunate news. Uh, there's a bit of bookkeeping that we need to keep up with. You owe me two constitution saving throws uh, as you've been carrying this Eye of Dendar for at least two hours working your way really through the sewer hoping system. you wouldn't realize that. <laughs> So, when you picked it up in the farmstead, uh, that was the first automatic save. You can make the second save, which according to the cube, how it works, will be uh, with advantage for DC 15. 21. Easily fending off the effects uh, of the eye, even even in, in the bag. Uh, the second, or I suppose this would be actually technically the third save. Just straight save at DC 15, again, because the cube is protecting it. Oh, that's a 25. Okay, here we go. All right. No problem. <laughs> Easy, no no additional levels of exhaustion, so that still keeps you at one, right? One level of exhaustion? Yes. Okay, you yes. and Horik both, you and Horik both. So you and Horik will see Shaft like quickly disappears into the, the shadows of the city, um, leaving you, the two of you, alone to, to find shelter. Horik, let's move back a few streets so we're not so close to everyone. <laughs> this way. So we'll walk back a few streets and try and find a house that looks appropriately empty but comfy. And perhaps has a basement. The basement may be a little difficult to find, I don't know. Um, second floor? Yeah, second floor, no problem. You, you've kind of, a few blocks over, you found like this row of like townhouse, like two-story townhouse kind of thing, right? Um, very narrow, fairly small housings. But uh, as, you're, as you're finding a place suitable, which, I mean, really, looking at them, there's not much difference from the one at one end of the street versus at the other end. So I suppose if you if your goal is to move as far away from where the people are and the celebrations are going on, then that's easily done. But you do notice as, as you know, as where you've kind of come to the part where you and Shaft have split up and hearing the celebrations, even though you are moving away from them, the sounds don't get any quieter. You can still very clearly hear the, the music and smell the food and and, the, and, the, and hear the yelling in the street, meaning that they're either getting closer to you or perhaps in the direction you're moving, there's more celebrations, though you know that you're coming from the evacuated part of the city. Let us find somewhere that looks safe, somewhere we can black out the windows or cover them up. You really want to smash a window to get in. Obviously, the, the doors uh, are locked up, uh, windows are locked up. Kind of like you would, I suppose, if you were to leave your, your residence for an extended period of time, you would probably button everything up, right? So smash a window. You can try to knock the door in if you want. Um, <laughs> it's up to you. Are you able to pick locks? Break in the window. <laughs> or it kind of gives you a nod. He'll take out his axe and just put the butt of it. Kind of smashes in one of the, you know, one of the one of four sectioned window panes, right? able to get his hand into the, the lock of the window and slide it open. And we'll go in and um, pull out the eerie token. Shaft, we went back a few streets. House number 2112, near the end of the street. Horik, there is something I need to do. First, I want to tell you, no matter what happens, Isabella cannot... Get these eyes. She wants to bring Dendar back to this world. And that would have devastating consequences for everyone. Do you understand? I do not believe Nina can be brought back. But if she can, I will do all in my power to do so. I believe Isabella is using Shaft. 
I do not believe she can give him what he truly wants. What I truly want is for everyone in Aspara to be safe. With Isabella in control, that cannot happen. I am not sure if Samuel would make that happen either. You think you can do it with the eyes there? I will try. I will try. You may hear things, you may hear me say things that may not make sense. But just know I am doing it for what's best for Aspara. Now help me close up these windows. I don't want any blue light escaping. And you best stay back from me. Orc looks a little uneasy, uh, but will like close up curtains and um, yeah, cover up any any opening, everything he can to try to conceal the two of you inside this building. Do you still have your cube? He nods, kind of holds it up in his hand. Hold tight to that. Here goes nothing. And I will uh, find an area and kind of make like a little, almost like a blanket fort, if I can, <laughs> to try and uh, diminish the blue light a little more as well. And I will sit in the middle of this and be covered up as much as I can be and as far away from Horik as I can be. And I will pull out both eyes, one in each hand. All right. Exposing yourself to the second eye immediately will inflict a level of exhaustion upon you. And the radius of the blue light rapidly expands to fill like the entirety of this little townhouse. You see Horik reflexively shielding himself against like an impact that doesn't doesn't come as he's engulfed by the blue. And his cube, as he show you, functioning as it should, he has not had to trigger the first automatic saving throw yet today, so he, he, he is fine uh, in this initial exposure. Yours, however, completely drained of any power that has been in it as you've shouldered the burden of carrying the eye from the farmstead. It offers you zero protection. Overloaded from this direct contact as it rapidly begins to heat up, you know, maintaining your, your grip on the eyes. And your, your uninjured hand and arm begin to blacken and thin to match your already withered one. One after the other, an unblinking eye kind of slowly appears in each of the artifacts in your hand. Is Your focus is drawn to nothing but them and the surrounding blue light that, that it casts, kind of making this void around you. Horik's cries of warning and protest kind of fade away to background noise. As you, you become numb to even the heat cast from your cube and the, the shards of metal that pierce your side as it explodes from the overload and you'll take four piercing damage from it. Just a little bit, just a little nick. Yeah, I, I meant to uh, take a healing potion before doing this. <laughs> Well, a, little, a little late now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all of these sounds and sensations eventually completely fade away as you're entirely enveloped in that void. They're replaced by, by a howling wind buffets against you, whipping your vine-like hair against your armor and into your face. A frigid cold seeps into your core. What's directly in front of you begins to, to coalesce as if the, the blue fog that's lifting, as if it's a, a, a clearing in, in this fog. The jarring difference in scale of what's in front of you causes you to kind of step back as you are face to face with the Serpent Mother. Her elongated dragon snout kind of slightly open, revealing teeth as big as you are, and her snake body covered in glimmering overlapping blue scales. It's coiled into spirals behind her. And the eyes, no longer in your hand, float and flicker ethereally in her empty sockets, although it still feels as if you physically are connected to them. But she's not alone. You see a gargantuan humanoid 
standing nearly 60 feet tall, with the, the remnants of a tattered and stained brown robe barely containing the swollen and bulbous abdomen, protruding from the sallow skin of his exposed right forearm, where a hand should be, is this bone-white protrusion that extends out, then arcs into a, a sharp crescent-shaped curve like that of a scythe. His left, where a matching protrusion should be, has been severed near the stretches of flesh on his forearm. The dirty toenails of his bare feet have grown into claws of a, a sa the same kind of bony material. Fleshless, crystalline wings originating from his back are unfurled and spread out behind him. His deformed mouth is open in a scream, the lower jaw like unhinged and stretched out far longer than his top, showing a, a multiple rows of needle-like teeth. Completely white eyes are wide open to match his this scream uh, expression on his face, set above the sunken cavities uh, of where nose should be. The yellow skin of his bald head is marked with rows of, of raised scar tissue uh, in the shape of snowflakes, a marking that you have seen before. Geneva showed it to you on her own body in Heracleon. Hers had been slashed through and disrupted, uh, if you recall, by the ritual of catharsis that she said Almar had performed on her. A third figure is with them, kind of taking in the scope of the two huge beings before you. He's the last thing that draws your eye. A uh, normal-sized human, the, the naked form of a muscular man with long hair, the handsome features of his face contorted in pain and agony. A figure you recognize as well, having glimpsed a projection of him during the assembly of the armor of Kalar. All three figures are completely unmoving, as you realize the, the source of that intense cold comes from this endless expanse of ice in which they are trapped, like this wall before you. It stretches far to your left, as far as you can see, far to your right, up and somehow downwards, despite feeling as if you are standing on solid ground. Three sets of eyes seem to be the only thing that can move as they shift towards you in their unmoving bodies as each of them stare at you as you arrive. Serpent Mother, it is I, Shakara. I have both of your eyes. I, Shakara, have done what Isabella has spent decades failing to do. I need your help. Are you able? You are trapped. I don't understand what I'm seeing. Who is that man? And I'll wait for some kind of response. As you, as you're, you're essentially touting your own accomplishments, right? And how you said you've finally assembled both her eyes. They kind of, they kind of flare in this anticipation again. They're they're not like set back into her skull. It's almost as if they're shifting in and out of view of uh, of, of like a they were kind of blinking in and out of existence. Right. It's clearly not physically in her the body that you see. One in addition, like their the sockets in which they kind of float in right now are far larger than the actual artifacts that you you have in your hand and have collected. Right. So uh, the, the, the communication is still this odd intonations uh, from, from what can be expressed to you, uh, even as you are literally standing before her. And you see the, the, the glow kind of dims and almost as if like, if you were to narrow your eyes, kind of as you mentioned, like this other figure and you, you don't receive, I mean, you can't receive any spoken response but you, you, you are immediately imbued with, uh, with the, like feelings of, of intense hatred, like a hatred that if, if a mortal being was to, to feel all the time, it, it would 
tear them apart. Like you've never felt an emotion as strong as this before. Is that... Are you looking at the man? Kalar? Are you the one that trapped them here? And it seems that this figure is unable to give you a response as well. I'll look back to Dendar. Dendar, I have your eyes. If you can aid me, if you can give me more power, I can do what Isabella could not. But I need your help. I need to get rid of Isabella so that I can aid you. Her eyes flare again and they begin to kind of float towards you and just kind of not by your own volition though your, your hands kind of raise and then they they like set into your palms again there's an okay there's gonna be a number of things that are, are going to be affecting this role i'm gonna get you to roll me a d100 so okay. yeah many factors that are gonna come into what number you need both negatively and positively right the largest hindrance to dendar being able to aid you uh, is the simple fact that she's been banished and clearly locked away for more than a millennium right so depending on the magnitude of a, of the of power that a being in her position wields will also affect how much influence that being can exert on the material plane you have seen how Kralakina's presence was still felt here and uh, had influence in Aspara despite him being locked as the Triton's prisoners on the elemental plane of water in an entirely different plane. Which uh, you can very easily surmise that wherever you are, clearly an entire another plane of existence. <laughs> Not the material plane anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the very fact that you have been bestowed with warlock powers proves a connection can be made in Dendar's case, right? Limited as it may be. With that already established connection and you're now direct contact with both eyes of Dendar. Means that you're, 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 I mean, you're nearly as close to touching Dendar as you possibly could be right now, right? So it's gonna swing the result pretty positively in your favor, uh, but there's always a chance of failure. So on a D100, you need uh, higher than a 20. A one to 20 is a failure on this roll. Okay. What does it mean when you roll double zeros again? Because I got a seven and double zeros. Is that seven? Can I roll again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Oh. Okay, so seven. That unfortunately is a failure. Darn, I was really hoping you were going to get this one. All right. Me too. <laughs> we should have known better. <laughs> Staring into these eyes, you, you, you feel... The surge of, of, uh, of, I guess surge is the incorrect word. It's not a surge for you. It's definitely a surge no. for Dendar, possibly. No. But this draining energy kind of courses through your body, crippling your already damaged hands and arms. It further, like, shrivels them and somehow withers them even further to, like, skeletal proportions. They both turn, like, a thick coal black. Strength draining from your grip as the eyes kind of fall to the floor. And then, like, the reality of, of around you kind of comes rushing in. You can hear now what you had been blocked out before. Horik is still crying, and you hear banging on the front door of this home. You hear people outside screaming. I need you to roll me uh, 1d4 plus 1, please. Three. Your maximum strength has been reduced by four. And before you kind of drop the eyes, you, you feel that intense anger and, and frustration from Dendar as she's blocked by wherever she is and whatever process was successful in banishing her. What's going on? What? Hork is braced against the front door. You hear shouts from outside. The, the light is just clearly, ex uh, the entirety of the room is filled with blue light with both eyes being opened. I will slowly and carefully put the one eye back in the lead box. Which does immediately reduce the radius to the 15 feet of the single eye. Who? Who's here? Well, crap. 
want to go over to uh, the window. Can I go to? Is there a window near the door so I can look look out the window and see who's at the door? Yeah, yeah. There's like a, a window kind of on either side of the door. One of which was the one that Org broke to to get you in. What do I see? The, you do see like two uh, heavily armored paladins are bracing, like slamming themselves into the door. There's a crowd of people now outside. Uh, many of them have, have kept their distance, but as the blue light shrink, you see a few of them, few of the braver ones, maybe the more and more curious ones, kind of moving a little uh, closer. Many of them have like drinks in their hands. Some of them are even wearing like party hats. It's very clear that like the celebration has was filtering back into this district of the city that had been evacuated, right? You kind of he overhear some of them talking. Some people that have had caught up, right, as the crowds are filtering in, asking what's going on as there's spectacles going on. A few people frighteningly cry and, and talk about seeing the blue light again as Horik is barely able to keep this door braced shut. I uh, have the blue light with me, so... Um, can I move towards the door and have it go out the door towards the paladin standing on the other side? Yeah, if you want to try to inflict them in the radius, yes. absolutely. Okay, so I'll let you do that, and then we can roll initiative. 17. Hork got a 19. Ooh, paladin's got a 21, however. Top of the order, these two paladins outside. You see, as soon as like you inflict the light on them, uh, it, it's kind of a... So remember the, like you've witnessed this light permeate solid objects, like even the bag of holding that it's sitting in, right? Like it's clearly throwing light. So as you're moving towards the window, it's like also casting the radius through the wall and the covered curtains and everything. And as you're, so as you're looking out, it's kind of like simultaneously, like you're already close enough to be putting them in the radius as you're looking to see what's going outside. Instantly they, you see them shrink back away from it, right? Clearly, succumbing to its effects, and they retreat quickly outside of the radius, uh, as it's clear that they uh, do not have protection from it. Good. Horik, they are afraid of the light. Horik's next. Uh, okay, so Horik now no longer needs to hold the door. Hey, lad, would we get out of here today? Sure. Yes, did you look for a way out? How do we go? Hey, that'd be like Dora. And he, you see him just run through this little townhouse. It's not very large. It's like smaller than the farm set that the three of you had kind of hold up in even. And there is a, there's a back door, which <laughs> he had mentioned. And he's like at it, throwing it open, ready to get out. As he does so, there are like people kind of out on this other side of the street. It's almost like kind of faces in the middle of two streets, right? It's not like a, it's actually a, it is actually like a street on both sides. It's not just like a kind of back alley or anything. So there are still people, like partiers that have are kind of out there, not quite sure. They can hear what's on the front, obviously, but not sure what's going on. You're you're up. You're you're last. One of the paladins, I want to cast dissonant whispers. So I whisper a discordant melody that only he can hear, and he must make a wisdom save. Thirteen. Needed a seventeen. He takes 3d6 psychic damage, 14, and he has to use his reaction, if available, to move as far as he can uh, away from me, and then I will run after Horik. I assume, are you going to worry too much about inflicting Horik to the light? Like, do you still need to try to keep him out of the aura? Yeah, I'll try and stay back from him. You also have two levels of exhaustion now, correct? Correct. So I am moving at half speed. Well, that makes it a lot easier to keep Hork out of your aura. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, as you're only half as fast. Uh, okay, so Hork isn't... <laughs> Hork kind of sees, like, how you're moving, and, like, he knows what's happened, right? He's well aware that you're, you've been affected, and clearly you're, you're exhausted, uh, doubly so. So he st begins to step out into the street as the paladins are no longer in your view. He steps out, he's got his bow in hand, he's like scanning for, for paladins as well. He starts yelling at the, the people in the street. And like, every person in the street just looks <laughs> confused. And then like you behind him, finally the glow kind of hits the door. And as soon as they see the glow, they scatter. They don't want anything to do with it. Hork, find us a way to the sewers. 
So judging where you had, you had set up, you had found a house at the end of a, like a block, essentially. As you're moving and you pass this threshold now, I suppose, I don't know if you are going to want to be dashing then, because I guess Hor can also be dashing. He won't be taking the full movement, obviously, because he's going to stay, like, right in front of that aura, essentially, with you behind him. As long as we don't see any paladins or anybody trying to attack us, then I will be dashing. Okay, so you are, you picked one furthest away from the crowd at the time, so you're on the end of a, you're at the end of a block to, to round the corner of. So Horik is going to take you essentially back towards where the crowds had originated, right? Kind of the opposite direction that you had went on the other side of this cluster of buildings now, which even if the paladins were around the corner, you're still moving away from them now. And he gets to the first intersection, right? He's yelling at people. He's, you know, scanning back behind you. And as he does so, you kind of get to the this intersection. He kind of turns around and he just lets loose two arrows over your shoulder. And as you turn, you see that the paladins have finally rounded the corner and figured out uh, what's happening and uh, and are chasing, are, are, are pursuing you. Another round kind of goes by and the two of you turn this corner, right? And find an entry into into the, the sewers finally. Horik gets down, kind of reefs open this, this manhole and he'll kind of step back and usher you in first, knowing how exhausted you are. Be careful. I will go ahead to leave your room. And I'll go down. As you hit the bottom, it's like 20 feet down, so you can kind of get to the bottom and then still be out of out of the aura. Like, you can slide down if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will go down as fast as I can without sliding. <laughs> oh, darn. I was hoping we'd get you there. <laughs> Okay, you can dash down, get into the, the fetid sewer again. You're in the, the same kind of shape, the, the half-pipe culvert of fluid and substance running through it. Again, though, the wafts of the smells immediately hitting you as you get, you get down into the sewer system. And you see Hork as you look up. Hork is, again, firing bows, and he kind of looks down. He's like, hey, keep going. I'll be keeping the battle here. He kind of grabs the manhole, slides it shut. Horik! No, come with me! Horik! I will move down the tunnels. Trying to hear if I hear any skittering. Uh, Alright, give me a perception down here. 19. Like before, you had seen in the, the sewer system is, is like a kind of a grid, right? And there's not very many. It's like the there isn't a culvert per street, right? There's going to be um, fairly large, long distances in which these straight up and down passageways are going to be. So, with especially with your dark vision down here, seeing 120 feet in front and behind you, like that's a lot of distance in which you can perceive. The, although your perception check is a disadvantage, actually. <laughs> 21 okay <laughs> so the 19 stands <laughs> you you don't hear anything but the trickle and the flow of, of the, the sewer water down here immediately and you do know that you are still technically under the area that would have been affected by the tower so I mean it makes sense that immediately there aren't Niyogi down here now if you were to continue like in forward in the direction that you're going that is also going to be pointing kind of towards the middle of the city, essentially, which would be getting into territory that may or may not still be infested. Uh, so it's going to be up to you whether how far and you're going to venture and navigate. Like, what's the plan? So is there only one way to go that would take me away from the previously blue light affected area? Here, yes. Until you find another kind of like crossroads, like four-way Branching. junction. Yeah. Yeah. I will tentatively move forward looking for a junction to go more towards the previously cleared out area, but carefully and stealthily as much as I can. <laughs> All right. We're going, give me, a, give me a, a stealth here at disadvantage. Nine. <laughs> Other than the sounds of the, the water flowing through the system, you are making quite a racket as you <laughs> clearly you echo down these drainage tunnels like you know you are not being quiet so if there is something down here close to you like you're pretty well aware that a very high likely chance that something would hear you down here i'm going to pause a moment and take a health potion <laughs> okay 
I will say, uh, you are coming up on another constitution check for being in the aura of this eye as well. So if that's going to change what you may or may want, want to do with it. Mm. I will remind you, without the cube, the DC is 18. Ooh, I get 12 hit points back. I'm now at half. I'm at almost. I'm almost at half hit points. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to continue with the eye to a junction where I can go towards the cleared out area. And then I will, I think, if it looks like, I don't know, when I get to a junction where I can turn. Yeah, currently, um, again, because it's like a like north-south kind of grid, east-west. So you're currently moving westward. I mean, a, f a few hundred feet right of this tunnel, you do find kind of a four-way junction in which you can turn. I mean, you can now move southward if you want, which you are kind of in the northern section of the city, right? Okay, I will do another perception, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, no, I don't. I don't hear anything at all. Apparently, <laughs> rolled a, a two okay. <laughs> for yeah. a total of seven. It, uh, yeah, again the 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 it's flow of, flow of the system. You're just exhausted carrying this eye, and the, over the clank of your own armor, yeah, you don't you don't hear anything other than yourself. I'll move southward a little bit, and I will drop the eye and move just beyond its reach, and sit down. And I'll pull out the eerie token. Shaft, I am in the sewers. Hork, we were found. Hork guided me to a manhole and stayed above, fighting some paladins. I don't know. I, I don't know. Right, you use the token. I mean, it is only supposed to be 25 words, but you can just, you, you like, it just takes an action to do it. So you're like sending him like, a, you know, a paragraph and a half of, of, <laughs> of, of <laughs> ponderings and he'll be, he'll get it like three different messages, like back to back to back. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, as you know, you, you know, how the, you know how your eerie token works. Like you, you cannot get a response. Shaft can, is unable to respond to you with it, but you do know that it's been sent. Uh, I will take a short rest if I'm able. Yeah, you can definitely uh, settle in for one. And why don't you throughout give me another perception at disadvantage? Ten. <laughs> I think as soon as you kind of sit down on this ledge, I kind of imagine like your ass on one side and your kind of ankles just, your the heels like just on the other side of this flow of sewage water right keeping yourself out of the actual water other yeah as soon as you sit down i can just imagine you just like almost collapsing just exhausted uh maybe reminded of of mia a little bit being down here in the in the smell of the uh <laughs> of the sewers <laughs> she is wants to be covered in it it seems <laughs> <laughs> almost as if the thought of her summons mia's voice you hear her in your head she sends you another sending spell. Where are you? We're heading into battle, breaching the caves. The armor is weak. We need the eyes. Please come help us. XO, XO. The armor is weak without the eyes. That's interesting. To me, I'll reply. Are you trying? To lure us to our deaths. Many paladins have already tried and failed. My priorities lie differently now. I must stop Isabella. After a moment, I'll think about Shaft and I'll send him a message that says, Mia says they are about to attack and the armor is weak. I fear we can no longer trust her. Find Horik. He knows. Another 30 or so minutes pass and you do benefit and get uh, this semi-uninterrupted short rest. 
Now, because your long rest got uh, delayed, essentially, you there's nothing stopping you and Shaft and Horik from taking a second long rest within one 24-hour period. You just will not benefit from that long rest. So that doesn't that doesn't come into play like right now. Obviously, um, it's more of an FYI. You won't get, yeah, you won't get any spell slots. You won't regain any uh, health because of it. None of your long rest abilities will recharge because you've already benefited from that. But you will get your, essentially, sleep cycle back into sync uh, if you wanted to. Uh, and you would avoid making co additional constitution saving throughs, throws from extending the long rest. Like, if you had waited a day and a half, right, to then get your schedule right, you would have to be making saves, etc. So, that's... Another thing to keep in mind is we are quickly approaching, like, midnight now. Okay, okay. I was just going to ask what time it was. So if I'm sitting down here an hour, Shaft def definitely didn't think it would take him a whole hour to go do what he was going to do. And he really has no way of finding me because I really have no way of knowing where I am other than in the sewers. Right now, it has been two hours since Shaft left you. Yeah. Um, do I have any idea, like, the theater where New Jolvi is? That's in the Blue Light District, right? Yeah, I think you would you would be able to get yourself back to the Arknall Theater. Uh, you do know that, like, it presumably was also evacuated, right? Shaft, I am going to attempt to make it to the theater. If you can, meet me there. Hopefully, with Horik. And I will go back and pick up the eye and start making my way there. Okay, once you snag that eye again, you can give me another constitution saving throw. DC 18. 21. Oh, wow, okay. Thank goodness. Honestly, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, I was really worried about that. <laughs> What is what does the third level even do? I don't know. Third level is disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Oh no. <laughs> yes. That's gonna hurt. <laughs> and then it's a short jaunt to death. That's it. End of the show. Thanks for listening. But before you go, I got a couple other things I want to tell you about. Uh, you can find the Encourageable Party all over the interwebs. You can just go to encourageableparty.com and you can find all the links there. While you're there, check out the Patreon. There's some really cool stuff you could do with the Patreon, like give inspiration to Shaft. Or you can waste it and give it to one of those other mooks. Even worse, you could give it to Leland. Also, you can get access to mini campaigns and other cool stuff that we do. You're automatically entered into all contests. I mean, it's, it's really a great deal. Uh, the Encourageable Party is sponsored by Critical Hit Design. All ambient sounds and music provided by TabletopAudio.com. Intro and outro music is by Josh Jarvis, and you can email him at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com if you need any music stuff. Okay, that's it. Now you can go. Happy adventuring! Fools are in! What have you done to us? Almar's stretched out, taffy body kind of floats listlessly beside you, Faldron, as you, the two of you are lost in the gray space of the astral sea, flung far from the city of judgment by the momentum of your miscalculated dimension door, far from this fugue plane contained within the astral plane of which the city of judgment ha it, it resides itself. The only solid objects that are, are around you, it's kind of the, con uh, the occasional chunk of earth and like rock floating by you. Although distance is incredibly difficult to determine here, as you well know, based on your current predicament. What seems like very, very, very far away, you, you kind of detect the, the movement of this enormous being. Even from, from how far away you are, you can tell it has thickly muscled arms with oversized crab-like pincers on a serpentine body covered in these spiky protrusions and plates the it, the body itself just never it never seems to end it seems to go on forever 
as it drags behind this creature with a huge mouth filled with sharp teeth gaping open beneath a single large eye. Alamar, I... Oh, it, I tried. I, I tried to... I tried to get us through that portal, but magic is so difficult and unpredictable here. I, I, I don't know. It just went wrong. It doesn't look like Alamar is, is like coming back together. As you ripped him from that wall, he's kind of in this state now. and It doesn't seem like uh, he will revert back on his own. Do you know anything about this place, Alamar? Is there any other way for us to get out of here to, to make it back? He kind of flops his arms towards you. Come here, Balzern. Let me see you. And you see he's, like, kind of groping around, like, behind your back, like, along your your shoulders. And you feel this this kind of pressure and, like, tugging sensation originating from between your, your shoulder blades. And he pulls his taffy arms around. And you see in Alomar's hand, there's, well, it looks like a, a silvery cord clearly connected to your shoulders and, it, like, your back. And it trails as he's wrapped it around to show it to you. It kind of trails out for about 10 feet or so and then seems to just disappear into the void. And he, he hands it, as he hands it to you, You are still tethered, Balzerin. There may be a chance. And as you take it in your hand, it, it's, it has no weight to it at all. Uh, it's almost like a th- completely ethereal, but it's slick and cold like ice. T- tethered? What? What is, what is this? Where does... I don't understand. He kind of motions to that creature far, far away. That is an astral dreadnought. It can sever this cord. Do not let that happen. You are still bound to the material plane in this way. As if you were projecting yourself to this plane. Pull, Falzern. Oh, and he takes his arms and like ra- literally wraps them around your abdomen, like <laughs> securing himself <laughs> to you as he tells you to pull. All right, so Falzerin just starts putting hand over hand on this weird, cold tether rope thing. He starts pulling. And as you begin to do so, it's like the physics of it seem seems wonky. Like you can... Feel the silver cord being pulled from the middle of your shoulders as as, as you are moving hand over hand and, and pulling yourself forward, but you're pulled backwards instead, despite the way you're moving your hands. As if, you know, if you had some uh, weight on the end of it to pull itself towards you, think of it as, as you are the weight, but yet you're pulling yourself. Right, okay. You begin to make slow, steady progress. But it is it is arduous work. Uh, but you you build up momentum, right? You uh, which kind of allows you to coast every so often with with this speed, so you can kind of catch your breath and rest uh, while still progressing forward slash backwards, depending on your orientation. And that astral dreadnought fades in the distance now, out of sight. But during one of these rest periods, the the cord it's ripped from your grip and suddenly pulled taut sending a sharp pain through your body as you and subsequently Alamar connected to you are pulled at an enormous speed far faster than the progress you were making yourself your surroundings begin to blur and due to your velocity you can like see Alamar he still manages to hold on but his arms are beginning to slowly stretch longer and longer as he trails behind you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and suddenly the the, the void of the, the gray void of the astral sea is gone and you're hurtling through the night sky like looking upward as if you were falling with your back towards the ground hurtling towards pinpoints of light peppered throughout the darkness and then you were jolted to a stop floating in the paladin camp floating in a tent floating above your body lying in a cot the goblin captive that the you see the the paladins had bound and gagged when you were out on the ice 
is sleeping on a bedroll on the ground next to your body. Alamar slingshots past you as he, he doesn't seem to be subjected to the same type of like zero effect of the of the movements that that you like because you're not getting any like you're not whiplash or you're just experiencing the speed and then the sudden stoppage with with no ill effect but Alamar like rebounds his arms come unwrapped from you and you see he his body like kind of goes through this goblin into the floor the dirt of the tent the goblin kind of shifts in his sleep and you are hovering above your body and you can feel a draw towards it um has alamar continued to like slingshot and i'm like losing him or is he still he looks like he's gone into the ground and now like you can't see him anymore like he's phased almost like he's phased through anything physical here okay I was going to say, if uh, if he was still within reach, I would try and grab him, but it sounds like he's he's out of out of my view or reach at the moment. I think I'll just hesitantly reach out with my right hand and sort of just touch myself on the shoulder, if I can. As you are reaching, you attempt to connect with your physical form. You can feel the emptiness in inside of it but you can also feel something else the 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 vestiges of an additional presence instinctively you're you're like a wash with feelings of, of danger and warning of intrusion so I, I quickly reel back pull my hand back as you're reacting to that you see like can, I can kind of like just float below you right as you're up at the top of this tent right you see Shaft. He slinks into the tent, silently lifting the flap and tiptoeing around the sleeping goblin, very mindful of every step. He approaches your body. Looks like he slides a, a piece of parchment folded up into your robe, and he begins searching through your bag of holding. I'm going to call out to see if he might hear me, and, and I'll also try to reach and, and touch his shoulder. Shaft! Shaft, I'm right here! What are you doing? Your hand passes right through him and doesn't seem to get a response. As Shaft is is doing and rummaging through through your bag of holding, though, you, you can feel like the emptiness emanating from your body begin to fill. The lingering presence begins to grow stronger. Your instinctive warning signs get stronger and stronger as well as this presence becomes more apparent within your physical form. You see Shaft has pulled the tower cube from your bag, retrieving what he had come for as he exits the tent as quietly as he's as he entered. And that presence now begins to fully flood back in to fill the emptiness. And in seconds it will be back into like in full control of of your body. Do I have do I feel like I have any ability to move? Um, like if I were to want to either back away or float? Uh, back away I guess I'm not really on the ground at the moment I'm just kind of floating but could I uh, I would like to try and just put a little bit of distance between myself I'm a little bit worried that whatever this presence is might somehow sense me yeah it does look like you can you can like like you said float and kind of hover and, and almost like fly around it is more like a hover it's not like you have like a 60 foot fly speed or anything like that but yeah, if you want to, you can like back up and retreat. And uh, I mean, as you're doing so, Alamar, you can kind of see his, <laughs> like his hands kind of come up out of the ground as he just himself kind of floats back up into view. Falzren, do not touch him. Alamar, are you all right? Yes, yes, I'm, I'm fine. What, why, what's going on? Why shouldn't I touch him? You're not strong enough to take back your body. Oh, what, what do I, how do I, how do I do it? What do I need to do to become strong enough? I do not have much time as he wraps, begins to wrap his arms back around you. It will be occupied once more soon. Almar kind of just like, just barely gets a hand 
his arms back wrapped around you, right? And you feel think of it think of it like like a glass of water filling with water uh, a, a cup filling with water, right? And just as the water gets closer and closer to the brim, it finally hits the lip of it, and like right where it would potentially where it would overflow and overspill, the silvery cord again kind of goes taut and then is released, and you and Alamar are flung back at this enormous speed, rebounded back to the astral sea, surrounded by floating chunks of the material plane once more, that astral dreadnought far in the distance once again. Oh, Alamar, what, what on earth just happened? And what's happening to my body? Is there... It felt like something else was there. Do you know anything about this? It seems our savior, as he kind of puts it in quotes, <laughs> from the city is now control of your body. Oh, no. Please tell me that's not... What, what, what would I have to do to... To regain... I'm not as powerful as that that beast is or was. Have you read of this before? I've, I've never heard of such a thing. I have encountered something like this, yes. Astral projection is a skill easily learned, but rarely truly mastered. I will instruct you, and I know you to be a quick study. So let us begin. 